fans have been saying this for a long time. Over the past 48 hours, we have seen that what they have been saying is absolutely true. The people who cooked up these plans don't understand English football. They didn't understand, they couldn't get it into their heads that this was not going to be accepted, that nobody in English football was going to accept a closed shop. Nobody was going to accept this from top to bottom. It was a non-runner from the beginning. As Brian has said, it was a farce and fiasco. If they'd spoken to the players, if they'd spoken to the managers, if they'd spoken to the fans, they would have realised that. If they knew some history, if they understood anything about English football and fan culture and the history of these clubs, they would have understand that there was no way this was going to get through. On this episode of PL and PJs, a Super League scandal. And Mourinho moves on. Back to the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. Jay, we're wearing our jammies. Yes. We are celebrating. With some old fashions. With some old fashions, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I'm kind of liking this new yeah. thing we got going on. It has a little bit of variety. We can buy some simple syrup. Well, but I like mixing together. Okay. Together in water. You know I do. Yeah. You come over here. You see me sitting there whipping it together. It's fun. Food. You know, some elbow grease into yeah. some hard work and... Uh, I hope Drinks. I'm not getting any grease in that simple syrup. <laughs> it's supposed to be sugar and water. <laughs> right. Um, but well, Brent. <laughs> the taste is better mm-hmm. than just a regular glass of whiskey. And we're still having fun. But what we're really celebrating is, and we'll get into it, the, the Super League. Which, if you would ask me 24 hours ago, would not have been celebrating the Super League. We would be drinking to mourn football. Right. Exactly. But we don't have to. And because of that, I have a much more spirited approach to this episode, Jake. But we'll get into that. After we cover the match week, that granted will still be going on. Sure. This comes out, we're missing a few games, but that sometimes happens. What is it? Uh, 11 straight days yeah. with games? Awesome. Really we love it. But, Jake, Friday the 16th of April. That's, Everton yeah. Spurs 2 2. Mm-hmm. A couple of very fortunate Harry Kane goals, a very controversial penalty for Guilty Sigurdsson. The game had everything, including a Harry Kane injury. Okay, yeah, I thought you were going to mention that. Yeah. Tough, for sure. Tough. Tough to see that as far as need this push forward, it would be a bummer if he was sidelined. Yeah, and uh, neither Tottenham nor Everton needed a draw there. Oh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> should have gone for it. Yeah. But, Jake, after that, Saturday, the 17th of April, Newcastle 3, West Ham 2, and Wolves 1, Sheffield 0. Newcastle, big result. Big result. Um, they did let a 2-0 lead slide with West Ham down to 10 men. Yeah. So maybe a little fortunate to actually get those three points after giving up those two goals. Well, let alone that their first goal was a complete shambles by Diop. Sure. On, on the goal line, you know, back heel to back heel into his own net. I mean, just tough. And then the Fabianski, you know, a little slip up as well, dropping the ball. I 
West Ham had a tough day. You thought maybe they, they were going to pull some points out of it, maybe even get a win, and then uh, little Joseph Willick comes on in the 81st. Yep, Joe, Joe Willick, yep. In the 81st. But after that, Jake, Sunday, the 18th of April, Arsenal 1, Fulham 1. Big result for Fulham as they keep pushing for maybe a little a little safety. Sure. Uh, Newcastle getting a win, and then uh, Brighton getting point today, uh, which... We're not going to cover the results of that. We're totally not going to cover it. Yeah. Um, not great for them. But, yeah, they're, they're helping themselves as much as they can. And against, you know, one of the big six clubs. Big super six, super big, league. Yeah, one of the super <laughs> league clubs. I mean, a point is substantial. you got to get more you can. But after that, Jake, Manchester United 3, Burnley 1. And what seems to me a generous scoreline to Manchester United. Burnley played great. Yeah, um, when Burnley got the equalizer, I thought, oh, this, I mean, this go literally either way. And the two late goals really did not reflect how Man United played in that game. I think it was a lot closer than a 3-1. Oh, yeah. For sure, but it happened. And then after that, Jake, on Monday, the 19th of April, Leeds won, Liverpool won, because we're totally not talking about Chelsea Brighton getting a point each today. We're definitely not talking about it. That's for next podcast, Brent. Um, But yeah, Leeds, huge result after coming off a monumentous victory against Man City last week, um, and then going and getting a point against Liverpool, the, the current, you know, former champions, whatever, current, I guess, yeah. technically. Um, so, yeah, Leeds look good. Um, I mean, they're kind of in no man's land in between relegation and top six, so it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things, but great to see them ending the year on a high note, Brent. Oh, for sure. Uh, a nice high C, if you will. Uh, you know, like a C, like the, a high note. You weren't tracking with that. Oh, uh, no, I got it now. Okay. Well, you said high C, and I was like, the drink. The drink. Yeah. Yeah, no, and as I said, delicious. I thinking, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I was like, I was thinking high C's. Oh. Like um, a C shanty. Exactly like that. Okay. But no, my mind did not go to, uh, you know, like an octave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, either way, Jake, after that, fantasy. Fantasy. Ongoing. It's not a accurate representation of where we will finish at the end of the match week because we have until Thursday for that. But right now we are above average. Average is 28 points. We have 43. Without Cancelo and Diaz playing and with Captain Hyungman Son to still play another and Harry Kane to possibly, possibly still play another. Not to mention Ollie Watkins has a game as well. So this could be a high-flying week for us. I'm hoping Son, you know, you did, you did say... As soon as you take the captaincy away from Kane, he's gonna score. He's gonna score and have, or, you know, have some points. Sure. He had twelve points in the one game. Yeah, it's gonna be tough for Son to get enough to make it, you know, worth it. Yeah. And a goal and an assist, though. Sure. Not off. The, yeah, yeah. Very possible. Um, obviously, he had four goals in the reverse right. fixture. So yeah, that was with Harry Kane. Uh, that was with Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, Ollie Watkins playing Man City don't have. High hopes, but... But the worse that he does, the better that Cancelo and Diaz do. Sure. Yeah, so it's a win-win. Give and take. Yeah, I think so. Um, and Jake, that's... Uh, I, I really think that's it. That's Look, we're flying through the start, it feels like. But sure. just because we have some hot topics to get into. My favorite store, yes. Yeah. Well, hot topic. I find you there often <laughs> when I'm looking for... Oh, where's Jake? Somebody go check Getting out. graphic tees, you yeah. know. <laughs> and uh, and they look good. Almost as good as your PLNP Jakes. Hey, Jake. you too, man. Yeah, no, it's great. But please, what are, what are we talking about? Jake... You know what we're talking about next. It's the same order every week. Is it? I think. 
You mean this outline stays the same well, primarily? Well, right. you know, the, the match week recap session and is the, always capped off by, what were you going to say? So, and the end, the giggles and the outro. Well, that, the yeah, same. No. Well, we were getting to that, you know, towards... Sure, the sure, sure, After sure. Jake in the interim, we do have a... Select group of players who, you know, overperformed, if you will, um, in the match week that... Certainly didn't underperform. <laughs> certainly did not. Something I'm used to. <laughs> In our men's league. In games. the men's league yeah. games. I only scored Don't from get you wrong. Wide open net yeah. last season. You scored from the other half, though. I did. That's incredible. Yeah. But, you know, moving on. Uh, select group of players yes. from this match week who uh, stood out to us. And maybe stood out to other people as well. Possibly. Um, Brent, we have a normal formation of 4 3 3. Look that at us. Right. Um, starting us off in goal between the sticks, if you will. Meslier, Melier, the S is silent. Well, we're not French, you sure. know, so Meslier. Melier. Meslier. Meslier, if you're American. Yeah. American. Uh, six saves uh, in that 1-1 draw against Liverpool and just looked good, looked confident. Not a lot he could do in the one goal, you yeah. know. Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, just kind of chipped it over to yeah. Mane and it was an open That's shot. Right. Um, but other than that, looked great. Moving on to defense. The aforementioned Trent Alexander Arnold, one assist, two key passes, and seven clean or sorry, seven clearances. Seven clearances. Yeah, Jeez. <laughs> in one game. That's a heck of a stat. Yeah. Uh, then moving on, we have Llorente from Leeds who got that late equalizer and a well-deserved point to go along with 94% pass accuracy from 97 passes. Extra By far the most in that game. Um, four tackles to be added on to that stat line. Then we have Saiz from Wolverhampton Wanderers, who had a clean sheet, three tackles, seven clearances, and six aerials. Very well-rounded. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the clean sheet, I mean, that's the biggest thing that caps it off as a defender. The only clean sheet of the weekend, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then Brent, our last defender, we have Tokowski from Burnley. Although they lost 3-1, he had a goal, five clearances, and one of those clearances was off the line, saving another possible goal. And like we mentioned earlier, 3-1, deceiving scoreline. So uh, he, he played well in spite of their loss. Yeah, he did. Um, and, and, you know, look, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things going on. You know, the, the, there aren't that many games to go over because the match week is so spaced out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he got included, I mean, I feel like he might have gotten included anyway. We don't know how other teams are going to perform, but still a very solid performance from defense. But Jake, even better when we get to our midfield where we have Jack Harrison from Leeds with an assist, four key passes, two dribbles, and three tackles. We have Alan St. Maximin from Newcastle, five key passes, three dribbles, and five shots. So very well-rounded. And, and one of those shots turned into right. the own goal. So I mean, didn't get a goal, doesn't get an assist, but... But does count for something. And then after that, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Everton, two goals, four key passes, and was by far their best player on the field that day. Oh my goodness, looked very dangerous, yeah. and obviously that one oh, goal, yeah. goal off the volley. Oh my. With a left foot, yep. nonetheless. Yeah. After that, Jake, up top we have Mason Greenwood, two goals, one key pass, and a dribble. So not the flashiest set line. Sure, the sure, 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 sure. Goals, but two good goals. Granted, one of them was deflected, but... So very solid performance from the young man. Goal's a goal, man. I, I agree completely. After that, Jake, 
Harry Kane from Tottenham Hotspur. Hotspur. Two goals, two key passes, two dribbles. Well-rounded. Very well-rounded. And after that, we have Adama Traore from Wolverhampton Wanderers, who had an assist, four key passes, two dribbles, and five aerial duels. Wow. Which you just... He's not a very tall man. He isn't. I mean, he's... Look, he's strong. You know? The man has insane athleticism. But... If you asked me to pick maybe his highlighted stats, I wouldn't have expected sure. five aerial duels to be one. You're kidding. I'm kidding. Jake, can you please turn off your phone while we're recording? It was an email. I'm so sorry. I forgot to Even mute worse. my computer. But it's please. Is that all I had to say? Are we done? Yeah. Thank I mean, goodness. I mean, my entire momentum got ruined. You ruined the momentum. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I'm pissed. Keen you know, so I, I guess sure. I'll have to drink some old-fashioned while you talk about what we're talking about next so I can recover. Brent, there is a select group of teams that on Sunday announced that they are going to be creating a European Super League. Yes, I'm familiar. That would be played midweek. Originally said that they were not going to be replacing the domestic leagues. Yeah. And that the founding members would have basically immunity from being relegated out of this league. And then the remaining ones that joined afterwards could get relegated and w- would be rotating. Yeah. People were not happy, Brent. Can, can you go into more detail about this for yeah, us? Absolutely. So, look, the, the Champions League, as we know, it was looking at maybe a reform in the next few years. There were discussions about what would happen. And using COVID as a platform... Some of the biggest teams in Europe decided that this was a good opportunity for them to make even more money. And so they signed a 4 billion euro package deal with JP Morgan, an American company, and essentially created their own league of teams uh, with 15 founding members, Mm -hmm. with five other teams being included based on performances in their own domestic seasons. They didn't want to leave their domestic uh, you know, leagues. They, they, right, wouldn't be part right, right. they wouldn't have their cake and eat it too. Uh, there was talk that these leagues would kick them out, that there would be serious repercussions. Different entities came out and spoke up against it, including players, coaches, other teams. Frankly, you look at Bayern Munich and a PSG, specifically saying that they would not be joining. However, it has left the world in an awkward spot. And what you've seen in the last 24 hours, I mean, like I said, right, if you were right. doing this yesterday, I would have been very, very passionately against it. And at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to change over the next 48 hours going forward before the podcast comes out, right? We have a Wednesday and Thursday before it comes out. Things can change even more. Yeah, I did want to give that caveat that it is Tuesday, yeah. 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So we're dealing with the information that we have. Yeah. So don't yell at us if it's now Thursday and you're listening to it and something big happened on yeah. Wednesday. But, but big things have happened since where teams are backing out of the competition, which is massive, which, which is kind of saying the fans won, right? Right. The, the, the teams won, the sport is run. And, and I think the important thing being to note that this was done by majority American owners and foreign-born owners from these clubs, not people who grew up loving the teams, not people who grew up in the culture, but that these owners are the problem right not necessarily the clubs or the players or the coaches themselves and brent i want to just kind of detail 
what has happened yeah. today on like the teams pulling out and everything um, because it's kind of happening in real time as we speak. Um, very first thing that happened, the, the first thing we saw, Chelsea fans rioting in the street. Peter Cech getting Peter, involved. Peter Cech trying awesome. to get them to move out of the way so the team bus can get by. You know, all that jazz. The first thing we hear is that Chelsea are rumored to be leaving the ESL. Right after that, you see Man City becoming the next team saying that they're going to be leaving. Manchester City are the first team to release an official statement saying that they are backing out of this ESL that had just been announced on Sunday. Um, Later on, a bunch of teams got together and the rest of the English teams all announced pretty much at the exact same time um, with official statements that they are all backing out. Um, and a, a tweet from Fabrizio Romano, who we, we love to, you know. We do love him. To shout him out. He, he has all the, the news. Check out the Here We Go podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Super League has officially been suspended. This is 15 minutes ago. Wow. English clubs have left. In parentheses, Chelsea 2, official soon. The only one that has not released an official yeah. statement. But they were technically the first one to be rumored to be leaving. Mm-hmm. Inter and AC Milan are set to leave. Juventus and Spanish clubs waiting for official position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a, an official statement from the Super League, they announced that they are reconsidering their appropriate steps in order to reshape the project. That's where we stand on this Tuesday evening, friends. A wild 24 hours. Yeah, and, and frankly, I, I can't help but be excited about it. Because at the end of the day... These owners, and I will not say clubs because it is not the clubs. It, it is not the teams themselves. It's the owners. We're trying to ruin what makes soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, so great. The, the potential for a team like Leicester City to win, to make it to Europe, mm-hmm. to have these opportunities to be competitive rather than, you know, and I, and I told you, I, I think it was you I, I spoke to about you know, Liverpool tied Leeds, and I couldn't even be happy about it at the time because what did it matter? They were going to be in this competition anyway. You know, they weren't. It, the the top four didn't matter anymore. Sure. Yeah. Top six didn't matter anymore. They were going to be guaranteed a spot. So who cares if Liverpool ties with Leeds? It it makes no sense. A draw means nothing. Your position in the table means nothing. Man City's going to win the season, and nothing else really matters. And so. I was very upset that they were kind of ripping apart the fabric of why I love the sport, why I've watched it for so long, why I enjoyed playing it, which is just that any team can win on any given day. And I, I watched a lot of interviews from people. I, I watched the president of UEFA's uh, interview, and he specifically said, think about Manchester United before Sir Alex Ferguson, the decade before. Sure. Think about where you know Tottenham were 30 years ago. Think about where Arsenal were 30 years ago, and if the teams at that time that were at the top had decided to make a Super League, you would not be where you are now, because that would have been Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, Ajax, who wasn't even included in the plans, despite being one of the historically best clubs in Europe. Mm-hmm. Juventus were playing in Serie B. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that these teams were so elitist and so greedy that they forgot about the very competition that gave them their platform in the first place. I mean, and I can only speak really as a Manchester United fan, but 
with the Munich air disaster, kind of giving Manchester United a platform to be like, you know, Man United, the religion, the passion. That's their whole platform. They wanted to win the tournament in the 60s. They won it again in the 90s. That's what kind of brought them to fruition. And they want to leave it because now, 30 years on, you know, they've got some fame, but had this exact same thing happened 30 years ago, they would have never been in this position, you know? And right. um, it's, it is crazy to think that it almost happened. I was really worried that this was going to be a thing because it just ruined the fabric of the game that I love. Yeah, and quoting Thanos, it did seem inevitable. Yes. And Arsen Wenger even predicted it sure. years ago. Yeah, I saw that uh, that quote from him. But Brent, I, I guess my thing is, do you believe since this didn't happen thirty years ago or fifteen years ago, it's happening now slash happened now? Right. It could possibly be in the rear view as of today. Um, do you believe that them citing COVID as the reason for it occurring now? I think it's really cowardly. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really didn't like about the situation was they signed this agreement and then not one person stepped forward. Not one board member, not one owner, not one CEO stepped forward to take interviews, to talk to people, to explain the situation. To even during, as they backed out, not one, they've been official club statements. They're hiding behind, I mean, people give a lot of crap about hiding behind screen giving mm-hmm. opinions. How about these guys just being cowards and not being willing to face the media, face the players, face the teams, and letting the coaches take the interviews, letting the players speak out against it, without any interaction with the fan base whatsoever when the fans are really what matters. And I don't know. Look, I'm very passionate about the situation. I think it's I, comp- I, I, I think it is one of the worst things that could have happened in sport in mm-hmm. modern times. And I'm very happy that it didn't happen. But what I will say is I feel like there has to be specific shout-outs to people like Jurgen Klopp, like Pep Guardiola, like James Milner, who in front of camera said, I don't agree with this, that this is wrong. Because it's one thing for pundits to say things. You know, to have Gary Neville being so outspoken about how wrong this is, and Jamie Carragher saying this is terrible. It's another when the people whose jobs are on the line and could be replaced by the club owners are the ones coming out and saying, we don't believe in this, we shouldn't be doing this. And I don't know, I, I think it says a lot about the players and the characters themselves of the yeah. people that, that did it. Definitely hats off to those coaches and players that did say something. Yeah. I will say, not a single thing from Tottenham. Sure. At least players. Um, new interim manager, Ryan Mason, who we'll talk you about. Can't expect him to. He, he had no comment because he said he didn't know much, much about it, which is right. fair. Um, didn't see anything from a current Arsenal player. I know Mesut Ozil had to say about it. Um, and then Rob Holding posted something. He Do you see that? Rob Holding posted yeah, him. Posted the piano He's playing the Champions League, League anthem after after the statement. After the and then Chelsea, I'm not sure any players anything. Tuchel said he's just there to be the coach. In yeah. And whatever he has to coach in, he's going to be the coach. Yeah, so I, I do want to say, you know, Liverpool, they released a statement through Jordan Henderson mm-hmm. um, as a collective. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then Pep had a lot to say, and he even brought up that Ajax point about why yeah. would they not invite him yeah. and stuff. Um, and then Sterling had his reaction after City released the Luke statement. Shaw released yep. entire you know notes, page, sentences writing about how Rashford posted yeah. a powerful image, same right. as Bruno, mm-hmm. uh, reposted Podence's story or yeah. whatever. Um, 
it, it was a really interesting situation, but also really revealed the character of mm -hmm. Clubs. But more than anything else, I think it showed all the deep-rooted issues where fans have been saying that these owners aren't in touch with the English game. And they're right. And they're right. And now this kind of proves really it. Yeah. Forefront where if any of these owners would have taken the time to ask fans or ask players or ask managers what they thought about mm -hmm. this idea, nobody would have accepted it. Nobody wants this. No. It's Absolutely only not. people who are financially motivated who wanted this. And what I'm hoping is that it leads to a reform where we're seeing Ed Woodward, I know, step down. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that in turn leads to the Glazers being kicked out of Manchester United. I hope the Fenway Sports Group gets out of Liverpool. They've done an awesome job with Liverpool since, but they're still, you know, an American company. They, they don't have a connection to Liverpool FC. Right. You see the same thing with the Arsenal owners, who I can't remember the name, but they are American owners as well as mm -hmm. the Sports Group. Um, AC Milan is owned by Americans as well. And, and it's one thing to own a team with the intention of making it great and whatever, putting money into it. But it's really seeming to me that these foreign, foreign owners of clubs have no interest in the culture and the history of the team. They're just trying to make a business out of it and trying to make money out of it. And it's more than that. And that's why I really like the German system where they're fan owned and Bayern Munich saying, we're not taking part in this. this sure. is, like we're not doing this. This is completely against anything that our fans would want. This is completely against anything that we believe in. So I, I don't know what you think about Dan Levy and trying to get him out of this or Levy, however you say his last name, but, uh, I mean, I'm pretty much on board with everyone else's views yeah. as Totten supporters and, uh, get Dan Levy uh, out of there. Just commenting on the Arsenal thing. It's uh, Stan Kroenke. Gotcha. Kroenke, yeah. whatever, of Kroenke Sports. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not an end-all, be-all by any means. Woodward and then, what, the U of A president both resigned yep. today. Um, Wood Woodward's effective at the end of the season, we and should Woodward mention. allegedly was going to right. But it's a start. I mean, it yeah. definitely is a start. And we love to see the people that are making decisions we disagree with and that yeah. most fans disagree with resigning from their posts. Um, I can't speak to Juventus' decisions. Sure. I don't really know that much. We're a Premier League podcast. But I know that you're passionate about United and passionate against both um, the Glazers and Ed Woodward. And so you're halfway there. Yeah. Um, but Brent, it's just, it's been a whirlwind, I will say, of a 24-hour span. I mean, 48, I guess, if you, all Sunday was yeah, crazy. Yeah, mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we're kind of, not, not back to normal, but um, back well, where we started. We should have been here anyway. We should, it should never have been announced. Back where we started from, love it. Okay, yeah, love that. Um, uh, well, love is good. Sure, and and we are back to where we were. Some chairmen slash presidents stepping down might be the first couple dominoes in the series of many. We will find out in the next couple days. We might even know way more by the time that this podcast comes out on Thursday. Yeah. And I hope we do. Yeah. Jake, the one thing that I will say, though, is as long as these owners are still in place, I feel like you still have to punish the teams involved. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not a popular opinion, but the, the reputations of these clubs have been pretty tarnished from this experience. Sure. And 
I've loved watching Manchester United this season. Seeing them in second is great to me. I still feel like you have to take these six clubs and give them point deductions. You do. After this experience, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool should not be playing in the Champions League next year. Because okay. that's where the money comes from for these teams. These sure. huge TV deals, these huge tournaments where, where you're playing the best teams. I feel the same way about Barcelona, uh, you know, Real Madrid, Juventus. If, if they tried to take this sport and make it into money, they deserve to be punished, in a sense, for mm-hmm. the same reason. And um, I, I don't know that it'll happen, sure. but I would like it to happen. And... and to see some sort of punishment to these teams, whether it be points or financially or restrictions or whatever. Brent, how'd you feel about the teams that qualify for the Champions League being kind of relegated to the Europa League and the Europa League teams being relegated to the Europa Conference League, which is starting for the first time in 2021, or I guess that ended 2021. I mean, I, I think that's definitely a positive step. Sure. But I still don't feel like that's enough because they're still getting European games and European coverage against okay. teams from outside their own leagues. And I, I feel like this system not only punishes them and I say them, it punishes the players, which I don't think is fair, but it punishes the owners and right. their pockets is, is what I really care about. And so take them out of Europe. Just take them out of Europe for a season. Manchester City can still win this season for all I care, for, for the uh, Premier League season, their first place they've had a good right. year. I'm fine with maybe the position saying the same. These teams don't deserve to then be in Europe next year. And At all. I mean, okay. they, they clearly didn't want to be. They, well, they wanted to be they wanted playing to be. European competition. Yeah. They didn't want to be in UEFA. Right. And, and I guess that's my point. Is they didn't want to be in it. So hit these owners where it hurts. Take them out of these competitions. They don't deserve it. Okay. Yeah, and and it, it is unfair punishment on the coaches and players, at least in my opinion, to do that because they didn't know. They were in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if you want to send a message to these people that own the teams, uh, that's at least how I would go about it. I don't know if you feel the same way. I was going to say there's a fine line between punishing the players and punishing the hierarchy that runs them. But, um, I mean, you can only do so much if you're UEFA. They, you know, obviously put out a bunch of statements about the Super League when it first um, came to be on Sunday. And ultimately, they were right. They said there's there's no way this can happen. Like, it's against all this stuff, whatever. Um, Obviously, now it's dissolved slash suspended, um, as they say. And there, I guess European places in the Premier League count now. Um, top four means something. Top six even. As it should. As it should. But uh, to your point, does it actually matter? Because they could uh, see a ban of some sort. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I could go on for a while about this issue. I don't know that we need to continue to beat a dead horse. But No, uh, that would be against PETA's regulations. Yeah. If we were to beat a PETA dead horse. PETA Mellark. Uh, I will say one more sentence, and then we can move on to our yeah. next topic. The first two Premier League teams to withdraw from the ESL were the only two teams left in the Champions League semifinals. Which is, is there a correlation? We might ne- not never know, yeah. ever know, but I don't know. It could because that was a threat made by you. Sure, that they would ban teams. them. Yep, yeah. uh, with almost like a deadline set by Which Friday. Actually, it would be pretty funny if Chelsea somehow won the Champions League mm-hmm. and then didn't make a Champions League spot in the league because they would automatically be in next year. It would just be funny. Sure. And uh, on that same note, if Arsenal were to win and not get a Champions League spot, it would make the fourth spot mean nothing. Yeah. 
not nothing. It would be Europa League spot. Yeah. Um, but we can talk about that another day as we get closer to the end of the season. We're getting close, though. We are. Brent, another big news story out of the Premier League. Um, It was in the middle of all this, which might have been purposeful. Possibly. Jose Mourinho of Tottenham Hotspur was let go by the club on Sunday evening? Monday? Yeah. Monday. Monday Monday morning if you're in America. Sunday night, right? I think it was... I thought it was Sunday night in... I thought it was mid mid Monday. Yeah, time doesn't matter. Anyways, he was let go. He was let go. Um, quoting Ted Lasso, if you're fired while putting your cleats into your trunk, you're given the boot while putting the boots in the boot. Nice. Um, and that's what happened to Jose Mourinho. He was putting his shoes in the back of his car when he got fired, allegedly. Yeah. And Jake, what I will say is, you know, it's crazy times when Jose Mourinho getting fired. Is the second biggest storyline. Yeah, we almost didn't include it if uh, if it hadn't been for the teams opting out today. Yeah. We were just going to talk about Super League because yeah. we had so much to talk about. I was genuinely sad about it. Yeah, we bo- yeah, and uh, and we both kind of considered finding other teams to yeah. root for in the new era yeah. of the Premier League. Um, so I'm glad that we didn't have to do that. Right. I would look terrible in Norwich green in Canary. Right. Um, and I don't love sashes across the chest, but I would have for Southampton, right? Southampton. That's what you're gonna pick. Yeah. So Brent, what are your? Th- I mean, we can get my thoughts as a Spurs fan in a second. But what's your initial reaction to Jose being fired by Tottenham only six days before the Carabao Cup final? I think the timing is interesting because Jose Mourinho was brought in to win silverware. Yeah, that is what he does, and not only that, the the final is against his pretty much coaching arch-rival. So if he ever had time to be extra motivated, to put extra work into his preparations, to fire up the players, it would have been this occasion. However, I think the issue was he lost the dressing room already. With his comments about same coach, different players from a few weeks ago, um, in reference to why they were dropping so many yep. points. It's, um, I think he does it to himself. At this point, he was a great coach before. Still is a good coach. Right. But his tactics are outdated. And I thought when he first went into Spurs, his tactics had updated a little bit. I watched him play. I watched the new ways that he did things compared to watching him with Manchester United, just depending on the way they marked players, the way that they approached out of midfield, uh, the defensive shape itself. It was different. And I and they were doing well at the start of the season. So I thought, this is better. This is Jose Mourinho adjusting to a modern game. But at the end of the day... Even with three defensive signings, even with his tactics, Tottenham were still leaking goals. Well, you know what they say about old habits. He, he, he fell back into his old... They die easy. Yes. His old coaching habits. Yeah. And he singled out players for seemingly no reason, punished people for one mistake within yeah. games, and publicly criticized his players when the results weren't going his way. And it's one thing when you're doing that because you have John Terry and Carvalho in defense with you know Peter Cech behind them in goal. And you have these amazing players, Essien, Lampard, mm-hmm. Robin. And you have these amazing players sure. for Chelsea. And, and maybe you can't afford to punish them for one game because they're not doing well. And you can call out those types of players 
because they are all pretty much world-class players and say, you need to be better, he didn't do enough, and we're replacing you with a younger player, a less experienced player, whatever it is. It's more difficult when you're doing that with Tangy and Dompley. And, you know, good player, not world-class. He's, he's not Rising player. star, though, and you have to kind of nurture that instead of kind of cut him down every time yeah, you see a flaw. I, I, I know. Jose Mourinho will always prefer experienced, proven players to up-and-coming one. We know right. he does not play you. He does not play youth players, generally speaking, in his career. Generally, he prefers yes. talents that are already proven, that are solid players, and he does not have time for young players to make mistakes because his goal is winning self-aware. That is what he wants to do. And he does it, or at least did it for a long time. And even with Manchester United, brought in Zlatan Ibrahimovic mm-hmm. to be the striker. In the veteran. Yep. A veteran striker, a proven goal scorer, somebody that he has a relationship with already. Didn't have to spend time trying to play Mason Greenwood at 16. Right. You know, it did, didn't have to give opportunities to other players. And even going back to Real Madrid, you've got Benzema, you've got Ronaldo, you've got Di Maria. You, you have a myriad of players who are already experienced, are already solid players. He, he, does not, he does not have the patience as a coach for young players that are learning the trade, is how I would say it. No, Brenton and I totally agree. Um... I want to cover a couple points that you mentioned. Um, His tactics might have worked. I mean, not might have. Definitely worked in the past. Porto, Inter Milan. um, uh, Real Madrid is a little different. Yeah, Real Madrid is different. United was towards the latter half of his career. Um, But, I mean, you kind of have to adjust. And it could be just... You know, clubs in general are changing, and the players are different, and their mentality is different, and they don't uh, coincide with his tactics. But also, could just be a Tottenham thing. It could just be yeah. that they have a different mentality, not quite on the same wavelength as Jose, and did not respond, which we can see um, by the results, did not respond to his sort of criticism that has worked kind of in the past. Sure. Um, I will say to your point about him signing three defenders and still leaking goals, those three defenders, Matt Doherty, Joe Rodin, and Sergio Reguilon, yeah. I would say only Joe Rodin was the you know, plus to the actual defense in a sense. Still, I mean, but he still made the investments, I guess. Right. I mean, well, yeah. I, I'm sure he had a say in it, but I'm sure if he had you know, his pick of the litter, he wouldn't have picked oh, those three. He would have been getting Sergio Ramos. Right, 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 right. Um, so I, I mean, not to defend the manager that kind of talked down to his players and didn't really do a heck of a lot for Tottenham, but I, I will say that in his defense. And to your point about him being brought in for silverware and then being fired six days before his cup final, maybe they didn't want to give him the satisfaction of getting a trophy when he didn't really, des- I mean, I'm sure he deserved it if he was still there and yeah. won it but maybe they didn't think he deserved it and they wanted to win it uh, with, without him and not give him that satisfaction of having a trophy with every club you know yeah yeah possibly and you know it is what it is I, I, you would hope a board wouldn't be that petty though um, no definitely but it's Tottenham that definitely could be I get that but Jake I, I guess you're a Spurs fan 
how do they close out the season with this 29-year-old coach that's now coming in as an interim manager when they're pushing for the top four and possibly without Harry Kane? Right. Pushing for the top six. Yeah. I mean, it's not even about the top four. And to that first point, um, Ryan Mason, our interim manager, former player, uh, had to retire because of a head injury he suffered when he played for Hull City. First Premier League manager to be in charge of a team before the age of 30, yeah. um, as of Wednesday man. against Southampton. We play Man City on Sunday. Kane may be out. De Bruyne may be out. If we don't have Kane for that game, we lose automatically. I don't care what, you know, we, we beat them or we advanced in the Champions League, what, two, three years ago against them without Kane. Not going to happen. If we don't have Kane, we lose. For the rest of the season, top four, top six aspirations, same thing applies. If we don't have Kane, we don't have a chance. If we do have Kane, I think we're guaranteed top six. And I think there's an outside shot that if results keep coming in, like Chelsea drawing Brighton, Leeds, and Liverpool drawing to, or to yesterday, we do maybe have a small, small chance of getting that fourth spot. I, I think we finished fifth or sixth this season. I think that's kind of inevitable if we have Kane. But I don't know. I, I, I think that honeymoon period that we have talked about with other managers, obviously um, Ryan Mason, not you know the full-time manager. He's just an intern for the rest of the season. I, I think they have that post-bad manager, or at least manager they don't like, um, high. And I think that lasts sure. enough to get them top six. Okay. I, I get that. I Jake, I actually see with this move, regardless of Kane is out for the whole season or just for a few weeks or just for a few days, I think they struggle down the stretch. Okay. Only because of that. Ryan Mason, obviously a lot of experience with Spurs. Young, sometimes young coaches can have you know new ideas that, that challenge sure. Sure, sure, sure. experienced managers. But... I think it's one thing to fire a coach in December or January. When there's a lot of the season left to implement new tactics, to get used to a no coaching style. I think firing on what, April eighteenth? Yep. With a season ending in a month is a Tough. big ask to get results out of the players and, and if they do it's it's just speaking to one how much the cane or I'm sorry, the the Mourinho issue was a problem. Yep. But to, you know, how much this Ryan Mason can get together the team spirit. Um, I do agree that it hinges a lot on Kane and that he's there to be able to produce, but I think it's it's a big ask to get Tottenham into the top six given the situation where this guy has one month to try to realize sure, 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 sure. the team when clearly the, the dressing room's off. Right. You know, and, and it, it will be lifted from having Mourinho out but I just I wonder how much it'll be lifted. Hey Brent, we might know a lot more after tomorrow uh, when they play right. Southampton. Oh, well, that's this match week. But there is there a new match week coming up. There is a new match week. I do want to say before we get to the new match week, um, that was a good transition. I'm sorry, I had to halt it. I'm sorry. Um, Ryan Mason did say, quote unquote, he wanted to play brave and aggressive, like Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Sure. Um, I, I love that as a Spurs fan and I think that their problem this year was not a talent or fitness or anything it was a mentality sure. and if they can get that back the last six games um, we, we definitely have a chance for the top 
six, maybe even top four. But yeah, Brent, there there are match weeks coming up. A match week coming up, match week thirty three to be exact. And um, you know, it's somewhat a normal of a normal match week, yeah. um, all things considered. I know it's been kind of wonky um, past a couple. Of, a little cattywampus, if you will. Um, but Brent, we we have a Friday to Monday match week, which isn't unfamiliar to us. And starting on Friday, we have Arsenal Everton, which you know, should be a good game, and that's at 3 p.m. Sure. Eastern. And, Jake, I almost picked a draw in this game, but mm-hmm. I actually know of an Arsenal victory at the Emirates in this one. Yeah, I think Arsenal definitely underperformed in their last outing, um, but I think they are a far superior team than Everton, especially if, if uh, Dominic Carvalhoen remains out. So yeah. I'm going to go with an Arsenal victory. That is our only game Friday, yep. but moving on to the early morning, 7.30 a.m. Eastern, on Saturday, we have Liverpool-Newcastle. Jake, I'm going to go with Liverpool in this game. I think it's fairly, I know they're coming off a result against Leeds. Right. I think maybe this whole Super League thing affected teams like Chelsea and Liverpool, just with players' minds, not necessarily on the game. But now that things are a bit more sorted, I feel more comfortable picking Liverpool. Brent, I also agree, and I'm also picking Liverpool in this one. I think they have a good result. I think they win by at least two goals. But moving right along to noon 30 Eastern time, we have West Ham-Chelsea. I'm going to pick a draw in this game. I almost picked Chelsea, but I'm going to pick a draw. Brent, I will say, table-wise, probably match of the week. Yeah. Um... I also have a draw on this one. <laughs> Perfect. Look at us. I hate that. Playing conservative down the stretch. Yeah, with the, uh, we're we're uh, three for three yeah. uh, this match week so far. But I, I just don't see a lot between them. I know Chelsea's are Chelsea are odds makers favorites. Yeah. Um, but, you know, based on the result today against Brighton, 1-1, and then West Ham, you know, looking re- really hot and then having that one setback yeah. against Newcastle because of a red card. I think they bounce back, and they both play pretty with, equally. With 11 men. Sure, 11 men makes a huge difference, I'm sure. Uh, but, Brent, moving on to the 3 p.m. Eastern game, Sheffield United versus aforementioned Brighton. I'm going pick a Brighton victory in this game, Jake. I think Brighton pull out a big result for them in the relegation battle. Yeah, um, I don't really see a ton between them. I think it's going to be close. Sheffield, obviously... Not a lot of motivation because they are already relegated. We're playing for pride. Right. Brighton getting a crucial point. I think Brighton win this. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to lock that in. Okay. Um, that's all for Saturday, though. Moving on to Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern, Wolves-Burnley. Jake, I have a draw in this game as well. My second draw of the week. I think Wolves and Burnley are very evenly matched sides, and Burnley's result against Manchester United wasn't necessarily deserved. Wolves squeaking out a 1-0-1 against Sheffield. I think, it, I think this has drawn written all over it. Okay. Um, I'm going to say William Jose hits the ground running with his first goal last week in the Premier League. Maybe continues that. Maybe gets another. I think Wolves are too dangerous for Burnley, and it takes something special for them to get a point. So I'm going to go Wolves victory. Moving on to 9 a.m. Eastern, we have Leeds versus Manchester United. A classic rivalry, and I'm going to go for a Manchester United victory in this game, although this will be a bit of a grudge match for Leeds given how the first matchup went. Right, season. right, right. And Brent, all I have to say to that is... Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. Was there an ambulance that just went? Yeah, dude, what? that's crazy. That's 
No, Brent, it was my surprise pick alert. And I have Leeds over Man United in this one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, high pressing action. Yeah, I think that Man United try to play out the back too much and yeah. it uh it bites them in the buttocks, if you okay. will. But Brent, there are one there is <laughs> there are two more games, but one more on Sunday, and it's Aston Villa West Brom. And I'm gonna take Aston Villa in this game. That's it. I got nothing more to say. Yeah, um, I'm almost that confident. Obviously, West Brom had some hot results recently. Um, But yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Aston Villa. And then our last game, which is on Monday, April 26th at 3 p.m. Eastern Brent. Leicester City, Crystal Palace. Oh, there it is. Yeah, no, you kept me waiting. Yeah. But I got a draw in this game. Jake is my surprise pick. I think Palace pick up a point. Palace pick up a point. A lot of P's against Leicester. And on top of that, and I know you didn't mention it, I hope your player to watch wasn't in this game. My player to watch is actually Andros Townsend in this game, who I think, Mm. even if he doesn't start and he comes off the bench, I think will have a big performance against Leeds, or at least a part to play. Or I'm sorry, against Leicester. Brent, I really appreciate that. Um, Do you say Leeds? Yeah. Well, speaking of them, I missed my player to watch, which is Stuart Dallas on Leeds. The man who can play any position on the field. Um. Yeah, I, I think this happened what two two weeks in a row where I've forgotten mine and, you, and you've been on top it of it, which is the reverse um, fixture, if you will. But Brett, that is all for match week thirty three. Nothing weird, not any makeup games. It's pretty normal, obviously. Yeah, down to the end of the season, the nitty gritty games. Down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. yeah no, you're definitely right. Um. So yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I mentioned it before, West Ham-Chelsea, big, big, big game for top four aspirations. Um, I would have to say a draw would bode well for Liverpool, Everton, and Tottenham, but we'll see. Okay. Is that it? Do we have any fantasy? Other than, yeah, we have some fantasy to talk about, which is that, look, in my fantasies, we have a full team playing as the best players every week. Not Not necessarily the case. We have two players that, in fact, aren't even playing this upcoming match week in our starting 11, but that's because our entire bench isn't playing either. We had to make some adjustments. So we have Fabianski in goal against Chelsea. We have Kinsella, who doesn't have a game. Ailing against Manchester United. Connor Cody against Burnley. Rashford captain against Leeds. Lingard against Chelsea. Fernandez against Leeds. Smith Rowe against Everton, who could or could not play. Uh, Watkins against West Brom. And Bamford against Manchester United again with Kane not playing, Son not playing, Walker Peters not playing, Diaz not playing, and McCarthy not playing. Okay. Yeah. It's all stacked up against us. You know, I mean, everything. Right. No, it is unfortunate. So uh, that means Tottenham, Man City, Fulham, and Southampton are the four teams not playing this week. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and we uh, we have players on. Three of the four teams, so it is, it is a bummer. It's unfortunate to see, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We have no transfers to report this week. We're, we're, I mean, we're coming down to the end of the season. Right. So we like, might have one or two, exactly. but... For, so when we use our bench boost, we have... Ooh, yeah, I forgot play. about that. We can get McCarthy out of goal since he doesn't really play for Southampton anymore, but we'll we'll get there when it happens. Sure. You know? uh, at this point, I'm almost expecting us to use the bench boost on the last week of the season. So we'll and see. just, it's a whole crapshoot if that exactly. happens, yeah. Uh, but Jake... My favorite segment. You keep saying this. Jake's bets. Yeah. 
Brent, I do have a bet for you. It is a parlay. Surprise, surprise. But only two legs. Not three. We both do. It's crazy. The first of which is a West Ham versus Chelsea draw, which we both predicted. Um, So that's like, what, plus 280? So, you know, pretty good odds. Less good odds, if you will. Salah to score against Newcastle. Um, About like minus 150, depending on your sports book. But you put those together, Mr. Brent. You get a little parlay going for plus 523 odds. Turning your fiver, which is what I bet, to $31 and That's some change. A sweet payout. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So, Put it straight into Dogecoin. Exactly. Maybe, maybe a more risky bet. Um, no. no. No, it's going to the moon. It's going. <laughs> Elon Musk says so. I was talking about my picks, but oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dogecoin also, we don't want to, you know, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to lead you astray. <laughs> Apparently today was supposed to be Dogecoin day. Doge day, oh. if you will. Didn't really move up much. Um, actually moved down. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, if you want to bet with Mr. Jake, please bet at your own discretion. And call uh, me if you have a problem. And call Brent. Or if you want to have a problem, right. I can get a problem for you. Yeah. Brent is the master of problems. I have some math textbooks I can pull out. And <laughs> Perfect. Give you a problem too. And um, but other than that, Brent, I uh, I've got nothing left. We 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 talked a lot about our big topics today. Um, took a little bit of time. Not our uh, shorter episodes that we have been used to. Yeah. But when we have the meat, like Arby's. Well. We, no. we have to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> Should we make some commercials? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I will say it's one of those things where this was a hot topic. Right. No. <laughs> nice. Uh, I was ready to talk about just this issue the entire time. So I was ready to spend about 30 minutes just talking about the European. We could have. And thankfully, it didn't happen. It's been cut off. It is not happening, at least as far as the Premier League teams go. They are out of it. I am rejoicing. And I, look, I'm in a great mood. If, if you were asking me again 24 hours ago, I would have been sad doing this podcast. Sure, sure, I been, sure. I would have been drunk, but I would have been sad doing it. Now I'm just happy and drinking. No one likes a sad drunk. Nobody does. No. Other than the Blue Man Group. The group for sad men. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hated that um <laughs> but damn are you clever <laughs> it's from arrested development so oh, okay yeah that's where tobias fugay goes i blew myself <laughs> i blew myself yep okay that's a classic scene i am sorry that you guys hear that <laughs> i'm not i'm not at all um well brent uh we had some last minute giggles which is great we love to <laughs> see it <laughs> um but uh as we like to say the whisk is gone, the topics are done, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week from the only Premier League podcast with a dress code and our favorite teams staying in the league. And if, unless you have some sort of short-term memory or Alzheimer's, that dress code is jammies. We'll see you next week.